Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. What? Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that you can simply call Billy. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're going to be listening and talking one of our favorite movie scores, horror scores, mm-hmm. anthology. Just, <laughs> this is one of our all-time faves. It is creep show we can hold our breath for a long time but before we go any further let me remind you we are part of the boom howdy podcast network boom howdy and you can check out all of our back episodes at boomhowdy.com or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go simply search for nightmare junkhead in your itunes stitcher or soundcloud app hit subscribe and when we drop our latest episode it will download directly to your listening device of choice all up in your creep hole all in your creep hole nicely played <laughs> sir well this is a this is actually a movie that we've talked about on the podcast before we devoted an entire episode to it because mm-hmm. we're we've been looking at anthologies yeah it's kind of spanning over two years now because there's so many to look at but this is one of the we have a segment we like to call what's the score mm-hmm. where we take a listen to one of the you know a score or soundtrack one of our favorite horror films and this this is a score that I think is vastly underrated. Oh, very underrated because it sets the tone for everything perfectly. It really does. And it's one of those things that it isn't really overstated because when a lot of people think creep show, the first thing that, at least the way when I've talked to people, the first thing that doesn't spring to mind is the score. Right. You know, and we've, we've, uh, you know, John Carpenter, his, his scores, yeah. um, Goblin, uh, you know, all those, those just iconic movie scores that mm-hmm. really become characters in the, in and of themselves in a lot of these movies. This one is a little understated, but it is very effective. Yeah. Um, there are little bits and pieces of this that's very classical, but one of the greatest things, and this is actually something I'll never forget, is I went to a Disneyland, a Disney World not too long ago, and on one of the trams over there, I heard not not rats running through or cats trying to scare us. I think they're like, oh, are they? They're doing something spooky again. Let's get them. Uh, but I actually, they played the main theme from Creepshow. On the tram? On the tram. What for? I don't know. It was so weird. I mean, not that it wasn't like warranted or welcome, but at no, the same time, was it close to Halloween? Not at all. It was Were mid-summer. you going to the Haunted Mansion? No. Just apropos of nothing. Really? Because I looked around and I was looking at other people going like, is this creep show? And they're like, what's creep show? I'm like, God damn it. Like idiots. <laughs> Genius. Where are you when I need you? But it was just, but I was like, this is the fucking creep show score. So huh. it hit me in a, just a really weird way. And I was like, God, this is so good. I've forgotten how wonderful it is because the main thing that we're going to listen to here first, it's very sparse. Uh, much like, you know, if you think of John Carpenter's Halloween theme, um, uh, the theme from Phantasm, mm-hmm. just any of those that are very right. sparse bits of piano and how well that works and in terms of the atmosphere mm-hmm. it creates. Because the piano can make a terrifying Absolutely. feeling, you know, just as haunting. And yeah. the piano is such a percussive instrument anyway that depending on how you approach it and how you play it, 
can really kind of you know, yeah. dictate how everything goes. So the first piece, and actually the um, the copy that we're listening to, and what we try to do here, and this one is awesome. So the one we're going to be listening to, it's uh, was put out by Waxworks, and if you aren't, you know, if you don't know Waxworks, good lord, in your you need to get out there. Right. Uh, they uh, reproduce and put out all these old horror scores on vinyl, and yeah, that's how we're listening to it on vinyl. Mm-hmm. You call us the hipsters, whatever, what have you. But you know, this is stuff we used to collect back in the day, anyway. Mm-hmm. And so they're putting out all these wonderful movie scores and this one is composed and performed by John Harrison and I think he's kind of the unsung hero of Creepshow based on the score mm-hmm. uh, but the one we're looking at also has this customized beautiful oh no it's gorgeous beautiful artwork by friend of the podcast uh-huh. Ghoulish Gary Pullen yeah and we had the opportunity to meet with him and sit down with him at the Days of the Dead Hell, um, you got it signed dude. and I did get it signed uh, but it's so, it just looks so wonderful it's a great uh, reproduction you've got uh, a gatefold open here with all the information um, a thing uh, written by George Romero uh, it's just so good and yeah that's what I love about like Waxworks Mondo uh, Lunaris One Way Static they're producing all the they're putting all these great movie scores on vinyl but then the, the artwork you get mm-hmm. they're not just recreating old images they're letting these new up-and-coming artists a chance to kind of you know tackle some of their old favorites and it's so so good here uh so the first track that we're going to listen to is it's entitled the creep show welcomes you we're going to take a little listen then we're going to talk a little bit more about the movie again because especially genius here this is probably would you how would you rank creep show for you oh fuck top top one of my one creep show and i see kind of one and two as like almost one whole movie you know, I can see that. Yeah, because it's you know same theme. You know, like for example, it's volume two, kind of like how like uh, Kill Bill. Like I see Kill Bill one and two as one movie. I see Creep Show one and two as one big masterpiece. Now Creep Show two, I don't really remember the score on it too well. It wasn't so. as great as this one, but at the same time, it's still pretty. Damn it's still good. pretty damn good. Yeah. All right, gang. So we're gonna listen to the second track on the vinyl. Enjoy. Comic books gonna rot your brain. That's what I heard on during the tram there. That's crazy. And we're looking at each other this entire time, and man, my the hairs on my mm-hmm. arms are starting to stick up. So effective. And I'm just picturing 
the whole scene as it goes along. And like I was telling you off mic, I think one of the great things about an effective score, especially like the main theme, it tells you what exactly you're in for. This harkens back, for me, listening to it, it harkens back to a time when horror movies were fun. They were terrifying. I mean, there was always a little bit of fun to them, and, they're, and, and very old school. Now, what do you mean by old school? Almost like um, you can picture, like, the haunted castle on the top of the hill. And, you know, basically, like, you're in for a lot of fun, scary shit. Well, it's kind of like um, if you ever listen to uh, Carl Stalling, who did all the old Looney Tunes scores, mm-hmm. those are just, they tell stories mm-hmm. even within yeah. the music. And it's kind of the same thing with this. It sets the tone. Mm-hmm. And then the best thing about movie scores like this are these, like li- this little bit right here. Because you can you already see what's yeah, going on? Yeah. You can see the car approaching. The car, uh-huh. In the little comic book. The little transitions. Little, yeah. Little, uh-huh. That's the one thing I really liked about this film was the fact that it basically, it felt like an old EC comic book. Exactly. Because that's what they were going yeah. for. Uh-huh. You mentioned kind of that old school feel mm-hmm. and that catharsis you get from laughing and being terrified. This is a movie back in the day. Scared the shit out of me as a kid. It was this good, scary movie. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with the, uh, the again, the good practical effects. This is all uh, Tom Savini was mm-hmm. involved with this mm-hmm. one uh, because this was directed by George Romero uh-huh. and written by Stephen, Stephen King. King. My God. Yeah. You've got that's like, a pedigree right there. Yeah, man. <laughs> it is. That's that's the trifecta, mm-hmm. you know. Um, even just listening to this in the background. So effective and good. Just punctuating and, and just really highlighting and just emphasize. That's what a good score does. Where's my cake, Bedelia? It's Father's Day. Even just, and this is one of those scores that I can put on at any time, whether it's Halloween, whether it's, you know, Easter for all you, you know, I guess, you know, rising from the grave and what have you is kind of appropriate. But this is one of those that kind of works at, at any point for me. And I'm glad it, they reproduce this. This is one I think, like I said, I didn't think had a lot of love out there. And man, you know, when you read reviews on this one, they're like, oh my God, I'm so glad you guys you know, yeah. brought this one back from the dead, basically. <laughs> is um, the Ed Harris dance... One on oh, there. Jesus Christ. Pay no yeah. mind. Now, let me see here. Just in terms of, let's see here, Henry. Henry goes looking. Henry meets Nate. Henry gets crushed. So, unfortunately, I don't know if they <laughs> There's necessarily There's a lot of Ed Harris love, but not the dance. Ed Harris love, actually, uh, but I think I mentioned it before um, on our previous episode, but I had a chance to go and screen this film with uh, Romero and Savini in the audience. Oh, Jesus. And so they opened up a Q&A, and I, one of my first questions was, what was, you know, was Harris just, you know, improvising? I was like, yeah, they just threw on the music, and my man was just getting down. <laughs> and it's so funny, because I didn't realize that so many people... Just right. love the Ed just, Harris dance. The whole, like, head shake that he did and the whole, like... He was, he was, he was, he was getting it. Young, virile, with a little head on his hair on his head. Mm-hmm. Ed Harris, which, you know, you got to appreciate. Which mm-hmm. we mentioned before, it's kind of funny. You get these really good, serious genre actors in this film. Yeah. You get the Ed Harris. You get the Leslie Nielsen. Mm-hmm. You get Ted the, Danson. the Hal Holbrook. Uh-huh. The Adrian Barbeau. Mm-hmm. You get these really serious heavy genre actors the which E.G. Um, oh, and the, uh, the they're Mr. Coming Pratt. Again. Yes. Yeah. You get these serious actors which you normally wouldn't get in a lot of horror movies but I think they understood the project. Mm-hmm. And when you've got a score like this backing you my God. I mean right now I just see Bedelia. Decorating the cake. Just like, God 
damn it, old man. Yeah. Well, like I said, this really helps create its own. It's not I, with this score. I don't necessarily know if it becomes a character in and of itself. But here we get the flashback scene, right? It works so yeah. well. It just tells the story. Um, that's the beauty of this this score, I think, uh, just because the way it's set out. Um, there are technically 34 tracks on this score. <laughs> that's a lot of tracks. And not all of them, but some of them are going to be little one-minute little snippets. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really like in the film, um, just the little bits that you get. And that's what I like about movie scores as well. Yeah. Is sometimes they only play about a minute. Uh, like if you look at The Guest... There are little, like, 30-second bits on that soundtrack, or the score. The kind of same thing with the Creepshow one. So the next one, do you have a request on this one? Um, well, let's just go in the next sequence, The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. Talk a little bit about it while I find that. All right. Well, this one was kind of a comedic one in an aspect. Played by Stephen King, Jordy Verrill is this, like, bumpkin, okay? And he's a farmer, and this meteor crashes down. And, ooh, the one where he goes to the college, duh, that one. Um, <laughs> Mr. Verrill, this will bring you $50, not a penny under 100 <laughs> So he, this meteor crashes down, and he has this big thing of he's going to sell it to the local college, but it's too hot to touch. So he decides, okay, I'm going to cool it down by getting this bucket of water and throwing it on there. Well, he op- he throws it on this water, this water on the meteor, and it opens up, and this green goo just kind of oozes through the farm field and um, turns everything nice and green. Unfortunately, it also turns Jordy Verrill nice and green, too, to the point where he becomes like a plant guy. Um, and that's that, that's that Vero luck for you. And you spell it B A D bad. There are so many small tracks on this one. It is hard to find. Let me just tell you that right now. And that's the one where he, uh, sent, he, in his mind, he goes, they're not going to want to have broken meteor. Oh, and he's filling up the bathtub because it itches. Itches something like crazy. Oh, and there's his dad. Don't give it what it wants. The specter of the father. Yeah, do something right for once in your life. Don't do it. But if you listen to this piece and the ones we were looking, they're very distinct, which I really like. He's just... He's come to that realization. He goes, I'm dead either way. It's such a sad segment. Yeah, it's funny, and then it just flips it on you. Well, and Stephen King, he's not much of an actor, and he kind of plays it over the top, but I kind of like it. Yeah, me too. It really fits the character. Mm -hmm. Very symbol, but scary. Excuse me. Don't cry for Jordy. (laughs) He's already dead. (laughs) Okay, let me try the next track here. Yeah, this one ends on a downer. A downer note. And all of them, everybody gets their comeuppance in some way. But the bad thing about the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill is he did, didn't deserve, he deserve his, comeuppance. his comeuppance. That's the problem. Every All the other ones and all the other segments, even in two and unfortunately even in three. <laughs> three. Oh, is this the crate? No. 
This is something to tide you over. Is it? Just listen to that menace. Very menacing. Layers of menace. Yeah. And then you do get the sadness of Jody Barrel to Leslie Nielsen, just the one being, against type. Just being this maniacal, badass, evil, like mob bossian type. And it was interesting to see him play that because it was uh, right after Airplane, but before the Naked Gun series. Mm-hmm. And so people still saw him as, again, a very serious genre actor rather than the goofball that he was. Right. And to see him play menacing, backed with this. Just terrorizing Ted Danson on a beach. Just a lonely, deserted beach. That's another one that's very interesting to watch. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of rough because... Because he brings out the TV. He goes, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get something for you. And meanwhile, in the background, you just see this bucket just getting kind of like floated over and then coming a little bit closer. And it's all this bucket. And you're like, what's in the bucket? What's up with that? And then he brings his TV out. appreciate the fact that you get a little bit of the synth again so menacing Mm -hmm. the build up and this is where he's talking what his plan was where he buried him up to the neck him and his his cheating wife and he just learned that he just let the tide go over. You want to talk about the scariness of inevitability? Yeah. Oh my god. Because you can't move. All you can do is just see death coming at you, going back, coming at you, and, and knowing with each tide, you're a little that much closer to death. And that's some maniacal evil shit. That is. Like, that's torture right that's there. That's horrid. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah, it is. That's it's nice. And again, it's not all menacing, it's telling the story. That tells you something right there. The music comes in waves like the waves of death, dude. That's what it's... It's just coming at you. Take a bow for that one. <laughs> And the deed is done. <laughs> See, like with most good music, classical music, it tells the story without having to say a word. And even if you didn't know the context of this this music, especially with that one, you can kind of make a story in your head with the climactic of death, the ocean sounds, and then bum, bum, bum. Just, it's done. So... This is a very underrated score to a very wonderfully... I would say... I would think Creepshow is underrated. You don't hear a lot of talk about Creepshow on a general consistency. 
No, you really don't, unfortunately, yeah. which is a shame because it really is one of the better horror anthologies and just a good horror movie in mm-hmm. general. It, yeah, that's one I'll watch any day of the weekend because you want to watch a movie? How about Creepshow? Fuck yeah, put that shit out! Yeah. And I will say this with a lot of horror anthologies that we've talked about, this one actually, in terms of the four, there's four segments on this one? No, five. 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 And they're a little bit longer, because that's the one thing with a horror anthology is if you don't like it, just stick around a few more minutes. But this one, you have to... They're good short stories. Yeah. it's This movie's, what, about a good hour and 45 minutes? Easily. So there's about a good like half hour devoted to each little story. Um, 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, part, th- part two, each one is like 45 minutes. Um, but... Because we've talked about our love of Tales of Halloween, and that one packs in ten segments. Yeah, each one's like five minutes long, if that, on some of them. So with these, the ones, the ones you get with Creepshow, you get a little bit more character development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said... You get a lot of character development, and a lot of story. And then ultimately, though, you get the comeuppance. You get the, the guilty being punished, the innocent dying, the dead rising yeah. from the grave. And then in between the segments, there's little, like, callbacks, like little comic book flip pages... I think that's one we're listening to now. It was like the flip ads. goes back and like, hey, buy x-ray specs. And there's a clip, clipped out one for a voodoo doll. And I like what they did with that in the second one because <laughs> there's more of a payoff in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I will agree. I kind of wish they in, took that not as long as that one out. Maybe put a different another story in. But still. Well, the wraparound in the original Creep Show, you get the great Tom Atkins, mm-hmm. which already it's like, okay. Right. Yeah, like, okay, I'm cool. Good. I'm down with this. Which is the menace you get in all of this. And then we move on to the crate. Yes. Now the crate. The crate is the one that always scared me. The crate is the scariest one, dude. Because it's I got think- that good. It's got those good jump scares. And it's got that unknowing menace. Fluffy to this day is a terrifying fuck. It is a terrifying <laughs> fuck. It's like a. M- Evil, midget, abominable snowman. It really is. Yeah. And again, what works with it is it's real. Yeah. Yes. Fluffy exists, yeah. you know, if you will. And almost as terrifying as Fluffy is drunk Billy. Oh, Adrian Barbo. She is a mean bitch. She is nasty in this. Yeah. She plays a mean bitch well. Like Thornton Mellon's wife. She was channeling it's her you, Billy. Is Giorgio. What's with the midget? <laughs> it's Fluffy. <laughs> Just tell him to call him Billy. Well, that's what I like about Adrian Barbo too, is she kind of realized what her assets were, if you will. Mm-hmm. Big old boobies, and then a presence. Mm, yeah. And she, she can command the screen. She really does. Even I, with her voice. Oh, yeah. Well, shit. There's a reason John Carpenter had her as a you know a DJ. Because mm-hmm. um, she appeared in, what, The Fog? The Fog. Uh, Escape from New York. I'm trying to think, because this is around the time that she was married to Carpenter. Um, Swamp Thing? Swamp Thing, of course. Mm-hmm. And she did the Carpenter-Craven connection right there. Well, the, six Degrees of Carpenter? Six Degrees, yeah. Well, that works for me because I like Adrienne Barr. Have you seen her lately? She still looks amazing. Yeah, she still looks really good. When she really shows good. up in Tales of Halloween, that was just... just looking like, Ooh, girl, you look great. Bring your 70-year-old 70 ass, 70 ass over here, girl. So, again, same soundtrack. Just setting just a up a different, different atmosphere. Each story has its own flavor. Flavor, right? The Coronado trilogy. <laughs> All right. Now let's see here. Shall we start looking at maybe they're creeping up on you? Um, no. Do the one where um, 
This is they're creeping up on you. Now, this one was edited for television. They cut this whole entire segment out on the television. You're kidding. Kid you not. The the whole entire segment. The entire segment. The entire excised? segment is cut out. Why? Why? I don't know. I do well, not let's know. Say this is might be the creepiest. This is the creep creepiest show. one. This is if you're afraid of bugs, <laughs> don't watch this movie. Or don't watch this segment. Yeah, it's it's it, terrifying. It will mess you up. Yeah, and then you add this to it, which already creates again a sense of menace and just the willies. Mm-hmm. That's one thing with yeah. this movie: the, the score it can give you the willies. Mm-hmm. But what I can I what I appreciate though is you know sometimes people are like I don't want to listen to this stuff because it scares me. You know, and I, I'm I'm guilty. I can't listen to John Carpenter's Halloween <laughs> right? score. Yeah. But you know, when you can actually look step back away from it and listen to for what it is. Just creating. Mm-hmm. Just creeping up on you. And then we wrap around. Yep. Yep. It's just so, so good. It's a good score to a good movie. Great score to a great movie. It is. It's it's a good combination of the two. And I'm glad it is getting the love that I think it deserves. Because mm-hmm. um, John Harrison isn't really mentioned in the, the pantheon of great music composers. But based on this score he did, he, he should. He does an effective job. A very effective job. Yeah, no, I'm really glad Waxworks decided to release this one uh, because there's so many other ones that they've released that are pretty common. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that's a good one. But they'll pull out some just obscure ones. Yeah. Like, really obscure. Like, fuck Creepshow. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like I told you earlier, Creepshow doesn't get a lot of, like, not that it doesn't give love because everybody who, who's seen this movie is probably going to like this movie. Any, any genuine horror fan R- really right. digs it. Yeah, but, you know, when people say, hey, what kind of scary movies do you like? They're like, oh, Freddy, Jason, but nobody says Creepshow. You nope. know? It never comes up into play, but it should be because the main theme, I think, stacks up. With some of the all-time greats, because mm-hmm. it's just, and then it comes back. Tom Atkins is getting no, no. sharp pains yes, in is. his back. He's like, and I swear to each just... beat, like, dun, ah, dun, ah. and that's what I really love when they do edit it like that. So they it gets punctuated with each chord strike, mm-hmm. and in the end, evil wins. Absolutely, you. You can't be mean and nasty in a horror movie without expecting the comeuppance, like you mm-hmm. mentioned. It's going to come up and get you every single time. Oh, it's so good. Uh, the Boogeyman is one that was released by, I think it was One Way Static, which is one of those movies I never watched back in the day, but I remember the VHS cover. Yeah, with a babysitter in the window. In the window. Yeah. And I bought it because someone had mentioned it was a great synth score. And again, one of those I don't even remember seeing. I remember seeing it. The cover. But yeah. never really remember the score, and it's fantastic. So I'm glad they're re-releasing all these ones because it mm-hmm. gives you a chance to uh, experience it for the first time. And even, you know, the version I have here of Creepshow, it's uh, the color blood-splattered vinyl, which yeah. I love. And again, just the, the love and care they give to the entire release. Mm-hmm. Shit, there is a print by Gooish Gary Pullen that's included in... <sighs> and it is dope. The Creep? It's The Creep. Yeah. And what I also love is, like, when we talk to him is Gary loves this movie. Mm-hmm. And they give these people a chance to really go, okay, you love this movie? Show, Show us. us. And bam. Yeah. Because that's the half of the, the in terms of collecting vinyl, it's, it's, a, it's a tangible physical thing. We've talked about it. We might be the last generation of people that actually collect physical media. Yeah. 
And so I'm I'm striking while the iron is hot, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just in terms of these releases that we're getting. Well, especially especially when you find gold like this, you know, this isn't something you stumble upon at Walmart. No, you know, hey, look what I found. You know, no, this you do is have like to seek this mm-hmm. out. You're like, oh shit. Now sometimes like this, you do find it, but you have to go to like conventions to find it. You have to go to like specialty stores to find it. And I will say, here in the Kansas City area, we're very lucky. We've got some fantastic record stores and like Mills Records, Josie Records, uh, Vinyl Renaissance, Zebedee's, I'm trying to think of all the... Uh, all your uh, haunts. Vinyl Underground, yeah. <laughs> that, and that's why I do haunt these places. Haunt, literally, right. because I'm searching for these things, you know, because they're well worth searching out. Yeah, and that's, like, that's why I go to like Vintage Stock and I go to like Swap Meets and Brass Armadillo because you never know because I collect movies, you know, and then movie memorabilia and stuff, and like you'll never know what you find. So yeah, there's it's the thrill of the hunt. No, oh, yeah, yeah, it's so good, it's so good. But wow. just listen to that. The disembodied voices in the background, beckoning you, daring you to listen and watch this horrible horribleness in front of your eyes, as evil is rewarded and the good are punished. It almost dares you. <laughs> so good mm-hmm. so good so any final thoughts on the score for creep show well kiddies till the next time the creeps goes you remember keep it scary <laughs> perfect man you, you've got you've got a career in voice acting you know this right i just love the creep and i love the creep in the first one but when he talked in the second one, it was kind of good because it harkened back to the Crypt Keeper, mm-hmm. you know? I think that's what they're going for. Yeah. But I do like in the first one how it is just a puppet. It's just like the it's, del- just the evil, I, like the, just beckoning, like, come on, come on, kiddo. You know you want to. And I will say that first instance when you see him. Oh, and, it's and, terrifying because it's and, like, out the window. You're and like, oh, shit. That's a uh, Stephen King's kid, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Jonah. Yeah, Joe Hill, Joe, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. But yeah, check it out. Waxworks Records, you guys. Uh, Gary Poland did the artwork. Uh, check out all of Gary's artwork anyway. Oh, Gary has such good shit. I've got two prints up in my house right now. His Fright Night and Life Force ones. They're yeah, phenomenal. I got the Creep Show ones. I, I had to. Of I was course. Like, <gasps> of course. This is well worth seeking out. Waxwork Records, Gary Poland, again, um... Thank you, yeah. uh, John Harrison, for writing such great music with this. So, if you're listening, if you have not seen Creep Show, go see Creep Show. If you have seen Creep Show and not listened to the score, listen to the score. And you, you can probably find this on CD. I know this is obviously uh, kind of a niche market with the vinyl, uh, but but man, you're still going to get good stuff. Absolutely. Mm. And now there is, like I said, with the renaissance of all these re-releases, you're going to find some. Some scores you never thought you'd be able to find again. Right. Um, in fact, 2016, I believe it was, uh, Waxworks actually got labeled like record label of the year. So more and more people are recognizing it. It's a great time for, you know, music horror score mm-hmm. lovers. I can't wait. Um, we've got some more on the way. We're definitely going to be doing Night of the Demons, uh-huh. Phantasm. We'll probably go ahead and do the Boogeyman. <laughs> you know? So we've got some more What's the Score. So basically, again, a chance to listen to the music for us to talk about it. I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. And if you like this one and didn't hear our last What's the Score for Return of the Living Dead, go yep. check it out because that's another good, uh, that's a lot That's a lot well, of fun. You know, do you want to party? <laughs> yeah. It's party time. Right. All right. Well, until next time, this is Greg D. I'm, G- I'm Genius McGee, kiddies. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you in your dreams.